Hello, fellow supercomputers. It's uh, great to be talking to you tonight. So, I'm Brady Dale. Welcome to Lightbulb Talks, a part of the SpaceCast network. You know, last time when we kicked this off, I, um, I was talking about how I think there should be more discussion, more openness about um, emotion as a facet in DeFi. And I said I was going to talk about that more, and I am. This is a thing that's on my mind, or in crypto entirely. And the core idea I just wanted to say tonight is, you know, as I thought about that more, it seemed to me that um, belief is really the core emotion in this space. So, you know, we don't get out of belief powers, everything, right? Like we wouldn't get out of bed if we didn't believe that there was like a point to doing so, but it's more complex in crypto, right? Because it is a minority position, you know? And so folks come into it, they study, they learn about things. Um, but there's a, they don't go down the rabbit hole and become invested in it until they actually believe. And that moment, it's not like, and we talk about these things in all these like really rational ways. Um, but I sort of think that is a little bit misguided because it's not like, you know, we're all sitting there like reading uh, articles from, you know, different crypto publications and sort of totting up facts and uh, putting them on a spreadsheet. And then, you know, when a certain number gets hit, you're like, oh, I can buy it. You know, that's not how it works. I, I People talk about, I, I always ask people about their light bulb moments because there's this moment that it trips over. And that happens somewhere deep down inside. And that's when it goes from sort of like, a suspicion that this field might make sense over time to something that you believe and you couldn't tell you exactly what the set of, you know, facts that got you there were. You just, you just believe it now. Um, you know, it, it has, uh, it has kicked in in some way and, you know, you don't know the event in which that happened, but, but it does. And that's why I, I have this thing I keep saying about how, uh, I think we're all supercomputers because I think what happens, and this is important for us to think about, is that like we take in all these data points and they go deep into our head, and uh, and then and then one day they have an output, and that output isn't a spreadsheet; it's an emotion, right? And so that first emotion for folks in this space is belief. You're like, I'm willing to go forward in this now uh, because I buy it now. Something happened, and there's enough, and I buy it. So. Um, this isn't a recommendation to believe or not believe. It's just an exhortation to sort of grapple with the fact that we're all in this driven fundamentally at the core, I think, you know, by emotions. And that's not bad uh, because the emotions are the output of the super supercomputer that we all are. So that's our start here. Um, so tonight uh, we're talking to someone who sort of bridges nicely from our last conversation on Tuesday. Um, he goes by he goes by Lumi uh, on the internet. He's Value Mancer on Twitter. You should go follow him. Um, and uh, you know he's a, he's a he's a man about town in this space. You know, as we were talking ahead of time, he confessed he feels like he's new, but he's seen a lot of places. I first encountered him. 
working on stories about the the sort of meme moment in NFTs before kind of like as crypto was getting excited about NFTs, but the whole world wasn't, you know, sort of uh, last uh, last summer. Uh, and, you know, he's worked on a variety of other projects. I'll let you tell I'll let him tell you about it. But, you know, he's he's an investor. He's a he's a DJ. Um, and he he told me that a part of why he finds this exciting is because he's he actually really does believe that money is a game, but like in a good way. And this is a, a very exciting moment in that history-wide uh, money game. So, uh, welcome, Lumi. Are you there? Are you live? No, I think I got it. Okay, Sorry about cool. that. There we go. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Thanks for having me, though. I appreciate it. And yeah. it's a great introduction. So, um, so let's just start with this. I, I, I defend this position um, sure. that money is a game. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so Lumi is a nickname. Um, it's actually an old gamer tag for me. Um, and that's kind of really the lion's share of why I prefer to go by that in this space. Uh, it's not a, it's not really a preference to be anonymous or anything like that. It just reminds me of myself and my own personal uh, nerdy legacy as a video game player. So <clears throat> um, I think uh, when I first started getting into markets, it was really early 2019. Uh, so you can see why I feel like a baby in these spaces. Um, you know, I, I never believed in anything like uh, you're going to come out to markets uh, and you're going to find easy money or anything kind of, uh, you know, silly like that. Um, so I had a lot of respect for what that challenge was going to look like and what it would take to actually kind of, you know, be somebody who's new to capital markets um, and come in here and actually kind of sit down at the table um, with everybody else who's playing the game, uh, if you will, and actually kind of like win. Um, <clears throat> so... For me, uh, it helped me personally to look at coming to markets as a game um, so that I could frame them up like challenges I had already kind of conquered in the past and that I was already familiar with. So uh, my whole idea of, um, you know, kind of like a hard work ethic, uh, it's kind of like that of like an athlete, like a really, like when I relate myself uh, to everybody here as a gamer, like you, you got to think of like a really try hard gamer, right? So um just somebody who eats, sleeps, and breathes, uh, you know, those those challenges that they're engaged by. <clears throat> and I think that, uh, you know, with money, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to notice. Like, the more that you really get into markets, uh, if, if you're kind of, like, obsessively into it, I think it's just a matter of time until you notice that it really feels uh, like a game to you. And that's what kind of happened to me. So even just within the first few weeks of kind of, uh, like, reading books, listening to lectures... Um, watching videos, uh, staring at charts, et cetera, and just kind of thinking about everything to do with markets. Um, I just, I couldn't help but realize that this kind of feels like a game uh, that I'm sitting down to. And when you say it's a game, you know, a lot of times, I mean, it's not always accurate, but we use the term game to say something <clears throat> that uh, there's not a ton at stake. So do you mean it that, I mean, were you, when you, at least early on, or even still, I guess still, it could be the case that like, are you playing with uh, an amount of assets at which it is not risky for you in a larger fashion? Or is it, is it a high stakes game? Yeah. So it's definitely an extremely high stakes game. Um, at least in my case, at, at this point in it, um, <clears throat> It was comfortable when I was first coming into markets. Uh, I was a huge, and still am, uh, advocate for paper trading, just being able to uh, trade on the markets with live, real, accurate data, but uh, paper money or fake money. Mm -hmm. um, I used to do that a whole bunch. Um, and uh, that's good. That's good for like figuring out a system and how you approach things and how you repeatedly approach things over time um, and like 
uh, th- that's like a really essential way uh, to kind of approach uh, markets, in my opinion, if you really want to kind of like master them. But <clears throat> what do you mean by wait? Um, what do you mean by paper trading? So paper trading is where, um, let's say you want to uh, stock trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Right. You would get an account with like a nice broker software, maybe like Thinkorswim from TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. And they allow you to just kind of trade off of their live market data, just like everybody else is, like who's actually executing on real trades. You're just trading with a, a fake balance uh, in your account. So you oh, have the freedom to really like, get out there and It's like practice trading, but you have like a thesis yeah. and then you can see if your number goes up and like what would have happened if you'd really, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. I started within that, which um, I, I can't recommend enough to anybody who's ever interested in. You know, with stock trading or with, is there a way to do this with crypto trading? <clears throat> I believe you can do it with crypto. I'm not familiar with any like apps. I don't have any recommendations, um, but you can you can pretty much always do it. Even if like an app doesn't officially support functionality like that, you yourself can kind of simulate trading in your head, right? Like you can say, all right, well, I thought I wanted to take a position here, and then you know maybe instead of doing that, you just uh, sleep on it and wake up and find out you know how smart you were tomorrow. If nobody has built that in crypto, somebody needs to build that. Like I mean, <laughs> there's there's some money to be made there if that doesn't exist already. Uh, anyway, yeah. sorry, but yeah, <laughs> just if anyone's listening, it's just like, I think you do. Okay. Build that thing. Anyway, you, but, would, you would think, but nobody, uh, nobody's got the patience to do the paper trading either. They, we all just want to kind of, you know, take our money like right now and get right into the real thing. So it's, uh, it's not quite the killer app that it should be in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, it feels like it just, well, I don't know. I, you, I feel like you'd see kids doing it, you know, who don't have, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. Someone needs to, maybe, well, anyway, whatever. It's it's a good way to start. All right, so, you started, yeah, so I started off with paper, paper trading. trading. Yeah. Yeah, and then at this point, you know, um, we're, we're very much on the other side of that fence. And so it is, you know, I call it a game. And mentally, uh, it is a game for me. And just in, in a million ways, you know, money is forever going to be a game to me now. But it is a really high stakes game. And when I was coming into it, you know, it was, it was one thing when you're <clears throat> you're approaching markets and you're doing this paper trading and you're taking your time and you're putting yourself through your own sort of school for markets, et cetera. That's really comfortable. Um, but, you know, inevitably, you've got to kind of uh, you got to actually leave the driveway, you know, <laughs> in that car. Um, and, you know, I've done that now for the last few years and that is going really well for me. So um, in terms of like financially, you know, crypto, uh, that's that's been it's been a success story for me. So it's a game that I feel, um, I definitely wouldn't say I've mastered it. Yeah. Not at all. Um, but you know, I've, I've put in the time uh, for a few years now and the game is working out really well for me. And I definitely feel, uh, you know, that I'm, I've increased in terms of, you know, my skill level, et cetera, right now. And I'm, you know, even though I've, it's been a few years of like 24 seven, like obsessive crypto life right now. I feel like it's really still just getting started. Um, I feel like I've kind of just, uh, it's almost like I've been in through my own intensive like college type of class and I'm trying to, uh, get like a PhD in rapid time here or something. And so in that sense, you know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm here, um, the years are passing by and yet at the same time, I feel like I'm still almost kind of just like prepping for things, you know, in this space. Like when we really look ahead of us and the technological revolution that's, that's coming at us, the, uh, the variety of industries uh, and different features that that you know spans across, even like outside of like financial uh, focused technologies, et cetera. Like I, I just feel like you know we've got a couple of decades here, and I'm really still just making my way into the stadium, you know. And I'm like loaded up. I'm I've got like all the candy and the popcorn. I've got beers, <laughs> and I'm just getting ready to like plop down for like a whole ball game that's like so much longer than how long I've already been here. And just 
really quickly out of curiosity, you said you're a gamer and that was core to your identity. Usually most gamers kind of are in a category largely. Like what is <laughs> your kind of game? Yeah, sure. So I spent a couple of them, but uh, mostly you could say RTS uh, and MMORPGs. So I was a huge, huge fan uh, and tryhard player of StarCraft 1 and StarCraft 2. Okay. Uh, Warcraft 3 also. And then, um, you know, your usual EverQuest, World of Warcraft type games. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm not a huge gamer. I um I occasionally go through bouts where I really dive into Civ super hard, but I yeah. um I bought the latest version of Civ last year, two years ago. I can't remember, but it's just gotten so complicated that I was like, I don't even. I don't know. I used to be really good at this game, but uh, <laughs> I got nothing now. Um, okay, so you said something uh, pretty interesting, but I think that's also. I mean, it, uh, I will. I do think that that does illustrate a little something because I mean, those are sort of strategy oriented games, right? Am I? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Heavily so, so. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not. Uh, I mean, all games are strategy oriented games, but it's a little different than being you're not you're not playing first person shooters and stuff like that which i think i can see a bridge from a game like a world of warcraft more uh as much as i know about it i've I've never actually played but i have some idea of what's going on in there um to to crypto than than like i don't know doom or whatever but um uh you said an interesting thing to me uh that you felt like this was more than a once in a lifetime opportunity to be a part of crypto today. So could you unpack that some more? Yeah, um, definitely. So um, I liken uh, this crypto revolution that's coming. uh, I often liken it to like a dot-com boom just because it's a really easy way to kind of quickly ballpark the the whole phenomena that we're talking about here when, when you, you know, so you don't just come off as like a crazy guy saying like, Oh my God, like everything's coming. <laughs> You're like a, like a technological, like Paul Revere or something. And that's how I feel all the time. And I want to tell everybody like, Oh, you guys have like no idea. Um, you know, like what's coming. But for me, it's, it is, um, it's kind of crazy to even think, for example, that we might have something kind of introduced to human society that's maybe a bigger deal than like the internet, especially at this point in human society and how much of a big deal the internet has, you know, made it evident that it's going to be. Right. Um, but for me personally, I kind of consider, um, I kind of consider what we're doing in crypto and with decentralized finance to be, uh, something very similar to that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, but what makes it even more rare than just like a, like it's not just a copy paste of like a dot com boom. Um, because that, you know, that was the internet. That was one thing, but that didn't bring with it all of these, you know, that was a, what those things have in common is that there was a tech revolution. It was kind of a once in a lifetime sort of a thing there. Like if you missed a dot com boom, you sort of just missed it. And it was an investment opportunity, right? Um, now for me as a kid, like I was too young, I didn't have money like that. That whole opportunity wasn't really there for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was in school and I was thinking about being a programmer, but other than that, the whole opportunity missed me. Mm -hmm. So for this go around on things, I kind of noticed that, I mean, what's going on out here is definitely as rare, um, and as big of a deal as the last kind of dot com boom, but it's also, you know, it's not just an investment opportunity that now I'm qualified for because I'm old enough for it. And that's where my head is at at this point in my life. Um, but also in that, you know, fundamentally like what, we're doing out here like the the actual nature of this technology with it being decentralized is what opens the door for some of that particular character of you know this particular uh you know opportunity to also be like such a uniquely inclusive thing and ultimately for me i think that off of the back of ushering in these uh 
these new incentives, this new landscape with decentralization and with inclusivity for our economic incentives and being able to kind of align uh, incentives across humanity, just broadly speaking, if you will, Uh through some of the uh, kind of economic alignment uh, games that we're out here playing, uh, you know, within crypto, within DeFi, et cetera. I just think that all that is like, it's extremely unique. And ultimately, I think that we're kind of refining capitalism here, which is not something that um, I say lightly. And it's definitely not something that you hear people say, like, uh, more or less like ever, right? Like capitalism itself is its not a thing that we really kind of dramatically change, like what that system is or how we work within that. But I honestly think um, that due to, you know, kind of DeFi and inclusivity, all that stuff, um, we're we're reaching a kind of a watershed moment here within capitalism where, you know, historically the dominant strategy within capitalism has been to kind of act like a monopoly and, you know, acquire everything, be serial, uh, you know, acquire everything, just do whatever you can to hoard that advantage within your own, uh, within your own kind of centralized uh, plans and exclude everybody else from that. And just do everything that you can to, you know, push that monopoly. And that's, you know, what we see in the world around us today. We've got, uh, we live in a fang world. And, you know, to be honest, I think that that, um, the degree of centralization or monopolies that we have with these sort of super companies uh, that I reference here with uh, fang companies, um, I think that's actually going to kind of intensify at least before it gets, uh, I think we're going to have less, less big players and bigger players before we have uh, more yeah, uh, and smaller players first, but so um, anyway, yeah. I just want to say to the folks who are listening, uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, I see a couple of requests to speak in here already, which is cool. We'll bring you up. Give us a little bit more time. Uh, one thing I do just want to emphasize for anyone who is requesting or thinking that they're going to, in case you missed this, you weren't here last time. Um, this is now a part of a podcast network, so I am recording. So you know you're going to be recorded if you come on there and then put on the podcast. So. Um, I'm sort of expecting the folks who request understand that and are okay um, with doing that because I don't want to edit you out later. That's too hard for me. Um, so, you know, just uh, please, uh, please, please know that's true. So, okay. So um, I want to, I'm just going to complain about something uh, that uh, frustrates me in this world right now. And it's, it's my own Go ego on some level, but you know, uh, today I just sort of opened up Twitter. I'm a little too addicted to Twitter lately. It's kind of a problem, but I opened up I Twitter and there was a space going from some Bloomberg reporters, um, with Jesse from Kraken and, uh, you know, that's cool. But like, <laughs> I just, I listened for a little while and just like the Bloomberg reporters, comprehension of all this stuff was just so uh surface you know and it was so frustrating to me that like hundreds of people were turning out to hear these folks um with these very basic takes on this stuff uh and you know i don't know so that that's the part that annoyed me but a question was asked that i didn't love the answer to even jesse's Hmm. answer honestly and so i'm going to ask it to you and see what your take is now then i'll give i'll see how much it differs from mine i'll give you my answer but um but a question about DeFi came up and um somebody some guy who i I think he i don't really know what his deal was but um the question was um uh where are all of these big yields in DeFi coming from how can the numbers be this large (laughs) So I'll, yeah. you give your answer first, and then I'll say what this guy's answer and Jesse's answer was, um, and then I'll tell you what my answer is. Sure. Um, so, I mean, maybe off the top we'll say uh, some some amount of stuff, uh, like 
you know, if we're talking about like crazy high yields and, and DeFi farms, et cetera, of course, I'm thinking of like crazy, uh, you know, food coin farms from last summer. Mm-hmm. And so with, with those in mind, you know, we'll acknowledge like some of this stuff is maybe a little bit at times smoke and mirrors. Right. But I also in the same breath, I wouldn't want to give off the idea that that's really the lion's share of, you know, uh, okay. So it's kind of all like, it's all like really sketchy out here in DeFi. And that's, that's the secret. That's what's in the sauce. Like that's, <laughs> that's some of it. And I just want to acknowledge that and get that out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, uh, the lion's share of where it kind of really stems from is, um, you know, a couple of generations back, uh, our parents and their parents they used to be able to get um, yeah, genuinely like savings rates uh, of like seven, ten percent a year just off of a standard savings account right. with fiat in the bank, right? right? And that was kind of a, a reflection of <clears throat> then, like, oh, so we, we kind of already had rates that are let's say comparable to like where we're at in DeFi now, we had that like way before DeFi and this is what that money and the ability to play with it, whether it's for lending and out or doing whatever they want to do with it. It's usually, usually lending. Um, that they, they stopped sharing that value with us. The banks did. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to have like a, an Antonopoulos brief moment here. And that's just, uh, that's, that's my whole understanding of what happened there is that, you know, that the value of, uh, idle capital being put to use, we used to be compensated for that. And I said, we'll, we'll be the ones to put it to use and here's seven to 10%. Well, fast forward to where we're at today. We're all in crypto. We've kind of, we've all heard these stories before. We're not, we're obviously not getting seven to 10% you know, on our cash in our bank's accounts. Uh, we're not, we're not getting anything close to that. We're not even getting, it's just a dismal. It's like 0. 0.2, 0.02% uh, yeah. annually. Like, and that's considered that's as you know, yeah. competitive. Yeah. 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 You're, you're losing money if you're just staying in fiat as, Everybody in the crypto space kind of knows. So I think uh, my my largest understanding is that ultimately this is just what it <clears throat> is kind of a, a really simplified take here. But I sort of capture it all in a really light and easy sense. I would say that this is kind of just what it looks like uh, when we when we actually kind of as a society reconnect and get rid of some of this uh, maybe sort of gap in not just, you know, culture and technology and the way that we do things financially, but maybe also um, some gap in financial literacy, maybe hopefully uh, as a society, we're coming a little bit more full circle here now. And um, each of us are all going to just, you know, thanks to blockchain technology and everything that we are, you know, ushering in here without asking permission. Um, I think we're just kind of getting back in touch with like our actual money, the the value of our actual labor that we all go out and do. We have this money and we have options for what we do with it. I think, uh, you know, for decades and decades, for generations, literally, um, you know, people have kind of been deprived of uh, the fullest opportunity of that. And I think we're just sort of turning a corner here uh, in DeFi uh, to where what it looks like, just like just around that corner, even though it's just you know, maybe a year or two away from, say, where we're at right now is just a really stark, uh, totally different landscape with, uh, you know, upwards of 7 10% APY again for what's basically now the digital equivalent of sort of the same money in a lot of these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like if we're talking about, you know, the yield you get off of GUSD or an incoming CBDC, et cetera. So I think it's really, it's almost like rewinding uh, a few hundred years or a hundred years, but, you know, that's that's my simple take on it. Okay. How about you? Um, well, uh, one thing, Lumi, uh, I don't know where your mic is. If you could just like, um, move it slightly more away from your mouth in some way, if possible, I'm getting yeah. a lot of puffs on it. Um, it's mostly yeah. okay, but it's just, you know, just a little bit more space. That'd be good. Um, so, um, so this guy, the answer that, um, the dude who was on the Bloomberg thing and then Jesse both gave is it was just about a, a hunger for credit. 
that isn't being met. And that's what it's really being driven by. It's just demand for that mm. credit. And I think there's probably some truth to that. I think, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying too. It's just like, you know, um, we have a financial system that sort of collectively has slowly been able to collude without there ever being, you know, a conspiracy. It's just, they could like slowly all collectively be like, we don't have to pay people money for, you know, like lending <laughs> us their cash. Um, but I, I do think that there is something else to it that you didn't mention. And, you know, folks might ridicule me, ridicule me for saying this, but I actually do think a big part of it is, is um, honestly, these governance tokens that are being made. I think that's a really hmm. powerful driver, because if you do believe that a lot of these projects are going to matter over time, the fact that they are doling out effectively their equity to early users um, for helping them to make the thing into a thing. Uh, I think that is actual wealth being distributed in a different fashion than we've seen before. And so that enables goosing all these yields in a dramatic way, but it doesn't mean it's phony. You know, that's to me what I, I think is one more wrinkle in these large yields that we're seeing. I'm not saying it's the whole story, but it's one more wrinkle, you know? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Um, I mean, because just uh, it, it is sort of unprecedented that we've had, um, let's say, airdrops uh, of the sort of you know like what Uniswap did. I mean, when you when you compare like these airdrops to like actual stimulus like relief bills for entire nations, even in the states, like it's it's on a different level, right? And it's there's a plurality of them there. So that is kind of that is definitely something unique that is going on. I like that perspective. Yeah, and if these things end up being, you know, the next Bank of Americas or whatever, uh, that was like a rare moment that you got to, you know, be a part of. I mean, it's still it's going to go on for a while, you know. I mean, it's going to these sorts of distributions. I mean, there there's the big like crazy one-time airdrops like Uniswap did, but but you know, like Comp is going to distribute sure. its Comp tokens for 4 years. I mean, well, I guess 3 years now. But um you know, so that's, you know, it's just, that's a rare, that's a rare opportunity. So um, I think that's really, that's an, that's an interesting thing. So, okay, let's, um, let's pivot slightly here um, to, uh, you know, I know that you're not super actively involved in this anymore, but you were once upon a time and that's kind of the first time we talked and you felt like it was a moment that was speaking that, you know, you learned a lot from. So just, you know, tell us the story of you getting involved in meme and kind of what your big takeaways from that mm-hmm. were and what it was that like really, you know, grabbed you about meme at that moment that you were really actively in it. Yeah. Um, man, meme was a, you want to talk about like rarer than once in a lifetime, uh, things happening, like even within crypto, um, for those who don't know, meme is this, uh, NFT mining project. Uh, which I was fortunate enough to be uh, a recipient uh, and in the original airdrop for. I want to say there were like 70, 73, 78 original members or something. So kind of an unlikely event uh, to be included in. Uh, There was a joke going around on Twitter at the time about, and this was, you know, at the the absolute peak of uh, last summer's uh, Dijon food food farm, uh, yield coins, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So somebody, uh, Jordan Leal, had a joke going out about, uh, the Degenerator is uh, just a mock-up of like an app where you go, uh, and the idea is that we just streamline this whole process and we just have more food farms than ever. I mean, I had like a pineapple, and you know, it was it was just a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing, like making fun of the current state that the space was in at the time. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we it was meant as a joke. Uh, somebody launches a Telegram group, uh, and then we're kind of like, oh, 
you know, they, they share it on Twitter and, you know, all these DGENs are piling into the room and, you know, as, as DGENs tend to be, we don't really know what we're doing there yet, but we're just very like wildly and vaguely like hoping that something happens, like anything happens. And, um, you know, sure enough, uh, some somebody spends up a coin and distributes it to people in the Telegram chat. And you had to like fill out a form in order to qualify for it. And there was there was a whole thing there with that. Uh, everybody filled out form one, and there was probably like I don't know hundreds of people who filled that one out. And then there was like a, a bug on the form, so we put out a second form. And then only the people who filled out the second form actually ended up receiving the airdrop. So a lot of people were upset about that. So I mean, really, just to sort of like stress the degree to which uh, I was lucky on this one um, in the right time and place. But yeah, we uh, we spun up a coin out of thin air and we turned the joke uh, of this pineapple-based NFT uh, mining platform into a reality. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be like in the presence of. I mean, kind of even more unlikely is that within this small group of you know seventy-some uh, DJs who received the airdrop is that a couple of them were some consensus guys. Uh, we had one other guy who, uh, DeFi dude, I want to say he's a uh, community with Kyber, uh, maybe Ave also. Uh, and we had a couple of Solidity devs, even more like rarely and more unlikely, right? So we had a couple of devs who were just like ready to go. Um, so we, yeah, we just sort of decided like on the spot as a handful of jokesters who really didn't know each other. We just happened to be, you know, in the same crypto Twitter space. We were going to spin up this coin and... Uh, you know, still like in just all in like one motion, still laughing at the same jokes, uh, kind of wondering like, what should we do with this? Like, what's the point of this token? You know, which for me is like the opposite of, of how I typically am as uh, you know, like an investor or a builder in this space. I'm like, I need there to be like value on the table first, and then we get serious, and maybe then we think about like serious, you know, investing and you know, risky things like that. This one was just totally like upending all of that um, on its head. And we just started off with this token that had absolutely no purpose and a group of guys uh, just kind of wondering, like, what should it do? Um, so somebody just came up with the idea. Uh, let's make NFT farming where you stake your meme token. And in exchange for that, um, you get rewards. And with those rewards, you can mint NFTs that are, you know, exclusive to the platform. So we did that in was it late quarter three, uh, 2020, which, uh, as you'd mentioned, was kind of a little bit before it was, I think you captured it perfectly. It was as NFTs were kind of starting to get popular within the crypto space, but before they had really spilled all over the whole world as they kind of did in early 2021 here, uh, moving forward. So that was just a really, like, a wacky, super, like, again, probably rarer than once in a lifetime event where, you know, I really... I was I filed into the right space, did some of the right things, and then not only you know I was lucky because I got this airdrop, which you know in the end I think uh, I haven't I haven't looked at the charts for meme and forever, but I I want to say you know it's it's probably worth like a million bucks at this point if you've got like the meme airdrop originally still or like half a million bucks. Okay, so it's like it's really like if you got that and just sat on it for I mean it's been, it hasn't even been a year right it's right been, uh, a couple of quarters here yeah like it's already worth. Something like that. So, I mean, that's extraordinarily fortunate. And then the opportunity to just sort of jump in, like, spontaneously with a literal handful of chads and just start building and doing everything that's required uh, to, to get this project off of the ground and to meme it off of the ground. Uh, it was just, it was one of the funnest things I've, I've done in my whole life, for sure. Um, I mean, that, that first night of kind of giving birth to the meme coin was... I've just, I've rarely laughed so much in my whole life. I know that myself and all the other people who were there, like, we'll just never forget um, 
the crazy thing that we did and gave birth to. <laughs> and what was the what was the big thing that you when you when we were talking about it that you found so um, challenging, but in a good way? Uh, was it just this idea that like and a moment can happen at some time when a lot of people get excited and then you can do a thing, even though you don't really know what the point of it is sort of in a, in a way that's kind of counter <laughs> to those investor fundamentals you were talking about. Is that, is that what the thing that you said you'd need to meditate on for a long time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I still, <clears throat> that kind of, uh, that still messes with my head and, and my thinking a whole lot. Um, like still to date, um, just the, how unusual it is for me to engage with the project and to kind of start with <clears throat> um, sort of just like that bootstrapping mechanism of token first, uh, literally everything or anything, including value or ideas like later, like after that, like mm-hmm. for me, that still remains like categorically just like a, a really, really wild thing. But um, I'm so glad that I had that experience because otherwise my thinking would be really stiff. Um, I would, I would definitely be, really uh within like a really narrow box uh, that i used to be uh and in which i default to where i'm like you know this this okay you've got a token right and it's out there it exists so you, people are gonna buy it maybe you want some people to buy it and that's why you launched it already for me that just that basic uh setup like for me I, I'm like really inhibited by that. I'm like, oh man, the SEC is going to come after me. They already know that my coin is like, I don't even know what I'm doing with it. Like right. they're, taking, <laughs> they're taking notes. Like I just feel like, man, what am I doing here? Um, so it's kind of, for me, it was really useful that there were some other uh, DGENs who were um, a little crazier than me and just willing to just sort of like do it. Um, say, hey, s- screw all that. Let's just turn this corner. Uh and let's see what we can build after we've already kind of got the incentive in place aligning all of us of this token, which, I mean, we're the only ones who have it. So I guess we're the ones with the shared interest. What can we do for ourselves? You know, that was kind of, I think that was that was understood as being sort of the sentiment, even though we were joking, we got these coin or this new token that we just spun up and we know that it doesn't do anything. And that's sort of like why it's funny. It's, you know, like we just printed a total useless coin. But something about that paradigm, um, and then suddenly realizing, like, hey, I'm in a I'm in a group with some other like capable people in my space. We, I think, what we most understood uh, was, in a very general sense, I think it was our capacity to sort of meme something into existence, and that's really what we did, and really like kind of how we launched it. Um, even using, um, still like completely owning. Uh, and in that state of sort of irony towards the space and all these other like food coin, farm coin things, our our joke and our mantra then, you know, as kind of like memeing this into the world was to not buy meme, right? Like that's yeah. their, their, I love that. their whole thing is I love don't that. buy meme. Yeah, I love I loved that. Yeah. That yeah. So, I mean, we're literally, I mean, this, it just comes from a group of uh, people, you know, in a telegram who are just like laughing at this. We're being silly. We made a coin. It makes no sense. And we're telling people like, don't buy this thing. Like, it, this doesn't make any sense. And that's true. It's completely true. I mean, we're telling them that the God's honest truth, like this, this token couldn't have less value right now. It couldn't be a bigger joke right now. You know, don't buy this. And, uh, Something about that was really uh, irresistible to apes in the crypto space. I mean, just extremely irresistible. And, you know, slowly but surely, you know, the price of meme uh, and, you know, rose from, I want to say it was maybe like a buck or two, maybe it was like 20 bucks or something. It was very, very low to begin with. And now I think the price of a meme is like 
uh, I think it's definitely in the thousands now. I know wow. it's gotten over like 3,000 premium, et cetera. So crazy. Um, it just, it all happened in a flash and it just went from a joke to a joke to a joke to a joke. And uh, somehow that worked uh, with, with people. And like, it's a project that's still standing. They just had an incredible raise with a lot of like, almost like the who's who of like top tier, uh, you know, funders that you could have like backing the project now. So, I mean, it's, it still continues to evolve and to meme itself into existence. I'm, I'm really proud of the team over there. Yeah. Jordan has said he's game to do one of these. So um, hopefully that'll happen soon. Actually, I don't have a, I don't have anyone for a Tuesday. Maybe if I bug him, that'd be a nice little continuation. Oh, hit him up. Yeah. He's a great host. Um, yeah. So, um, okay. So I'm going to ask the room a question. I'm going to ask you a question and then Sarah has been patiently, wait, patiently waiting. I'm going to bring her on. I have a couple other <laughs> questions I want to things that I want to talk to you about, but we'll we'll do that. So, so first, let me yeah. ask the room a question. Um, so, to the room. Hopefully, I, I think you guys, a lot of you, have been on here before. But just in case you haven't, there's this little heart symbol at the bottom of your screen that makes emotes happen. You should use those as much as you want. I think that makes Twitter like me more if people emote things, just like whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't really know, but <laughs> I think it does. So, um, but let, let's do a little quick sort of informal poll here. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing some hundreds. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask you a question sort of like how this whole space clicked over for you. So if like there was some coin, whether it was Bitcoin, whether it was Ethereum, whether it was Dogecoin, whatever, if that was the thing that clicked you into the space and you were like, I want to get involved, do the hundred. If it was this DeFi idea, you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> lending on the internet. That seems like it makes sense. Give me the fist. And if it was um, if it was this NFT thing that's been hot over the last little bit, you know, the art on the internet thing and it was worth some money, give me the laughing face. So let's do that right now. You know, hundred for coin, fist for DeFi and laughing face for NFT. Mostly seeing hundreds is kind of what I expected. Got all right, got a DeFi in there. Yeah. Mostly hundreds. No NFTs came in. All right, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, so Lumi, like I said, the whole point of this is light bulb talks, like moments in which something clicked over and tripped for people. I didn't ask you this question at the start, but maybe it's better that we sort of like let a lot of these juices flow a little bit. Can you remember what your moment was when crypto kicked in? You know, you were curious, you were curious, and then you were like, okay, no, I, I buy it now. Do you, can you remember like what, what it was then? <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm not sure that I can. I, I remember the struggle, though. I remember trying to resist crypto and to not kind of cross what whatever that line is, wherever it was. At the time, you know, when I was getting into crypto, I was working in nursing full-time. I was a full-time student. Oh, you were a nurse? Um, uh, a nurse's assistant, yeah. Bottom that's, of the post- that's interesting. Cool. But, uh, yeah, right. I was working in nursing. I was in school for nursing. And I was also, you know, at the start of my 30s here and kind of like kind of playing catch up. Like I didn't, you know, run fresh out of high school and take care of my whole career, et cetera. So I was taking care of some really important things here. And I tried so hard to resist crypto because I needed to, you know, just get some things done here and have that career, et cetera, like taken care of, you know, for that part of my life. And the last thing I wanted to do was sort of like get distracted right um and unfortunately uh you know crypto was just out there and it caught my eye um and i couldn't i couldn't look away uh from it and you know originally it was brought up to me my idea of crypto it wasn't it wasn't super super appealing and i didn't have the light switch moment like right away like uh i think somebody a doge maximalist who i worked with in nursing uh brought it up to me and you know he was trying to get me to get Doge, and I actually I, I felt like okay I kind of understand Doge like it doesn't have to you know make sense it's a it's a meme it could do some stuff and I was looking at cheap coins like XLM and XRP and I was reading about these use cases and thinking okay it moves faster this money is faster and like 
you know, kind of just trying to understand like what's the what's the point of like any of this stuff, right? Like what is it what's actually going on out here and like why are there thousands of cryptocurrencies? Uh like what do they what do they all do that's so different? Um so it took a while for me to like um really trip over that switch. Uh but I think maybe if there was a moment uh that I really got kind of ignited uh, and sent forever down this path into crypto, it was probably and hopefully I've got this right in my memory here. I think it was really early 2019, uh, maybe, maybe like first quarter of 2019. I think Bitcoin was around the 3000s, 4000s or something. Mm-hmm. And some Chad at the time uh, just shoved in like a huge amount and ultimately ignited sort of what's like been a bull run ever since, if you will, um, and sent Bitcoin like jumping uh, from like three to 4K uh, or three to 5K like, very quickly um and this was kind of like that was kind of like the end of the 2018 bull run in my opinion i mean at least in terms of the charts that certainly was it and for me as somebody who was kind of like uh being introduced to cryptocurrencies but i was coming in like during this crypto winter at the very end of it i still had this very general sense of like all right you know crypto it's out here but like I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's kind of esoteric stuff. And then for me, uh, I think when Bitcoin jumped like that and kind of awakened and that bear run really ended just in from like the three to five K price action range. Um, for me, that was kind of like the heartbeat of crypto. And that was kind of like, uh, I think for me in my mind, I, it was like an awareness of like, it's alive, you know? And uh, I was like, all right, screw it. We're doing it. Let's go to crypto. <laughs> I um yeah the three thousand number is funny on Bitcoin you know I had a I had a bit of a personal experience with that number um I uh, very occasionally very very occasionally not uh, probably like four times um, I used to get invited onto Cheddar you know the sort of millennial TV station um, to talk about crypto things I'd write about they'd invite me to come in and you know explain explain it. And one day I came on and talked about, I have no idea what, um, and Tone Vase was after me. I don't know if you know Tone. Um, he's, he's kind of a Bitcoin OG. It's sort of a trader OG. Yeah, he's, yeah. Done, he's done really well. Yeah. And um, Tone was right after me. And I had met Tone I, you know, early on before he kind of became a, sort of a big deal. And, um, and he, he spoke next. And, you know, that was when kind of the, I think, I think when that happened is, you know, uh, definitely the big numbers of late 2017 were coming off and we were deep in crypto winter and, uh, and it was still falling though. It hadn't hit 3000 and they were like, and I remember Cheddar, Cheddar, the Cheddar folks were like, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to recover? You know, what do you see happening? And tone was very clear. He was like, it's going to hit 3000. Um, like that is where it's going to go. And then it'll recover and it's all going to be fine over time. But there's a lot more bleeding ahead. And I I just it really struck me that he said that I was just like it, it was I remember I don't remember what the number was at the time, but it was a lot lower. I mean, that was going much further down is one. And two, it was just like that was such a specific number. And I just it just stayed with me. And I don't remember what the lowest it got then was, but it got close enough to that that like he was right. <laughs> and um, it was yeah. just like crazy. It was like, how did he know that, you know? Um, which I still don't know the answer to that question, but it was a really interesting thing for, for, for me to see. <laughs> Some of these OGs have uh, like a spider sense that is just, it's beyond anything I can come up with uh, within myself and my own so-called expertise. <laughs> well, we're all supercomputers, right? I mean, that's my, that is, that is a little bit kind of my thesis. If we can just figure out how to 
access it right. There's things we can take in and know. We don't know how we know. We don't want to get in our own ways on knowing them. You know. Oh, a hundred percent. So uh, we're we're definitely computers. Sarah killed her request to come up and speak, but I and I've re-invited her. But uh, if anyone else wants to come and join us, I do have a couple more sort of moments in which I've cross paths with Lumi that I want to ask him about, but you know, we're at a point where it'd be fine for folks to come in and talk about other things. So um, if folks do, you just uh, go to that. I think it's that little three dot thing and request to speak. Oh no, you actually, when you're, no, no, you can just, um, you can just hit the, the microphone button. Hit the button. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and Lumi, you should know, actually, I don't know if this is something you want to mess with. I've forgot this time. I usually get a few of these ready to go, but I, I forgot. Um, you can share tweets if you want that everyone will see up at the top uh, because you're a speaker. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's a, if there's things you want to, that are, you want to illuminate to the folks here, that's a thing you can do. And I encourage you to do it. Um, anyone else who becomes a speaker can also do that. Um, so if anyone wants to join us, let us know. Um, okay. So let's, um, suppose, let me, I'm going to ramble here for a second. So if you want to look for tweets, you can. <laughs> um, the next time you and I kind of cross paths, we, we've never met, but I, I don't think we have, but, um, but we, we, we crossed paths on the internet and talked some was when BitClout happened a little while back. And yeah. I was kind of surly about BitClout because I didn't want to write about it. Uh, and my editors really wanted me to write <laughs> about it. And you were surly about it for other reasons. We'll get into that in a second. But the thing that I, I, I'm interested in you sort of exploring this with me a little bit. I, I'm not entirely clear on why I was surly about BitClout or even why I still am surly about BitClout. <laughs> I don't think it was this, yeah. quite the same reasons as you, but I think it was close. I think maybe it's related. But there was just something about it that, like, it felt a little icky to me, you know? I think maybe it was the fact sure. that they made accounts for a bunch of people. And actually, I went and looked at my BitClout, BitCloud profile recently, and I don't know what's up with this. But it says on my BitCloud profile, because I, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a Twitter giant, but I'm big enough within crypto Twitter that they made me an account. And mm-hmm. um, so I have free BitCloud tokens that I can claim in there. And I went and looked at mine the other day on a whim because I just wasn't doing work and uh, saw they'd gone up a price a little bit, you know, if I claim my tokens to be worth X amount. But then I was like, but it said that like this user has claimed some of their tokens. And I was like, no, I haven't. I, I did at one point, but it, I never connected <laughs> the accounts. I did send it some Bitcoin to try to like get some things to futz around a little bit mm-hmm. in there, but I didn't send enough when I did it, I screwed it up somehow. And I was like, well, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> so I didn't even get to the point where I ever like linked anything up. So, um, so that felt weird to me. I was just like, well, either I got hacked or they're just telling people that I've accessed it to make it look more credible. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. Um, but so, yeah, there was something that bothered me about it that I can't, I also just don't, I just don't think crypto is ready to make a social media network. I think that I just always get annoyed by that a little bit. But um, I don't know what's what's I know you didn't like it. So what was your thing on it? Sure. Um, to start, I'll probably uh, X2. I, I think if I'm understanding you right, I don't really believe that we're at an intersection where it's time for uh, whatever this uh, vague fusion of, uh, you know, blockchain technology and social media is that we sort of sometimes act like we really want as a space um, and sort of most of the time always never are actually building or getting together and having like productive conversations about, okay, well, how do, you know, how does this actually work and how do we overcome, you know, certain problems that are intrinsic to such a goal as that, you know? Um, but 
Um, when I when I first came across BitCloud myself, uh, I think what offended me most about it was just something. Uh, to me, I thought, uh, okay, so this is a game, right? And this is a money game, and this is a money game that some people want to play with other people, but not necessarily with other people. Uh, in terms of like, uh, so they kind of. Uh, automatically populated all these profiles on their new social media website using just sort of copy pasting people's existing profiles off of Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And they didn't really, you know, of course, like ask anybody about that, um, which like for me personally would kind of be like, all right, well, it's that, that raises a question mark. And and maybe it's really nice that like, just as soon as I hear about it and I'm kind of wondering about it in the next breath, you're like, but here's like $40,000. And then I'm like, all right, all right. It's cool that you did that. I think that that's how it goes over with like, you know, most people, but there, there is something under there uh, for some people prior to the $40,000 before and after that, that definitely uh, wrinkles their nose a bit. And I just, I think ultimately the thing that bothered me the most about the, the whole de- design of BitCloud, I think it's ultimately, it's not very different than things we've seen like with Augur so far in terms of just, it being like a betting market, mm-hmm. um, I just think it's like a, almost like a more narrow auger, right? Where the only thing we're betting on is it's really just the popularity of these people who mm-hmm. have been sort of involuntarily imported into the system. Which then you kind of chain the fact that they some of these people didn't even like volunteer to be a part of the system, and now you've got all these other people on the planet who you are incentivizing to uh, potentially uh, like. Uh, malign the reputation of somebody who's on this platform, right? And then open up a short position and say, all right, you know, I like, I knew this guy was going to tank because I was filing the lawsuit against him today. Or, you know, I put a bum under his car today. Or, uh, you know, maybe even worse things, you know, like uh, someone might genuinely harm somebody in one way or another because for them, within this sort of project uh, that BitCloud is like, I mean, that's that's just, that's making money. Mm -hmm. You know, so... For me, the way that incentives were kind of aligned or how humans were predisposed towards one another within this thing was very dystopian in a way that I don't like. Um, I'm not sure there are any dystopian things I really do like, but it it definitely reminded a lot of people of uh, a particular Black Mirror episode um, where we all get kind of social scores and you can be canceled if you don't ultimately conform to whatever is a sort of one size fits all of uh, whatever is the truth or what's popular in society, et cetera, type of thing. So, you know, it, it had all those vibes and I think it shook up everybody in the space. It was a really polarizing event because they, you know, their, their whole approach to marketing was um, getting all of these influencers in the space uh, to potentially wade in and use their own clout to validate and promote the project, et cetera. And so it just, uh, it, you, it was hard to not have an opinion about BitCloud, right? Because it was just such a noisy thing that everybody uh, sort of knew that it was going on in the space. Like whatever your opinion was or whatever distance you were from it. Like, I think people heard about BitCloud. Like that kind of was an event that took place in our space. Right. But then I'm kind of also equally weirdly is that just as quickly as that was this huge, like outrageously polarizing uh, event within our space, it sort of mostly only died down in terms of noise uh, since its inception and the initial um, you know, problems that it, that it stirred or attention that it got. 
And I don't know like what that means or where they're going. If it's, uh, I mean, because as far as I understand, I want to say like the market cap for BitCloud was like something over like a billion dollars. So even though things have like really died down and we're quiet and really nobody cares like one way or the other, it's sort of like, all right, BitCloud, whatever. That was earlier in the year. Um, I feel like we haven't heard the last of BitCloud. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you, no way. No you way, asked yeah. me and it's like, every nobody wants to talk about it right now. We all got out of our systems. Uh, but like that, there's a lot of money still on top of that table. Uh, and there's been all kinds of interesting things we've seen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of James Prestwich's content and coverage of uh, BitCloud. Meanwhile, over the last some months, kind of uh, just really like picking into looking behind the scenes or lifting up the, uh, the rug in the corner uh, on that project and trying to you know, help people in the space to see kind of what's really going on there, whether it is really decentralized, whether it's not, um, even like noticing like infrastructure pointing to where they, for example, might exit its Binance. It's, <laughs> um, it's like particulars in there. So, um, yeah, that was a really interesting thing that happened to our space. Uh, it's caused a lot of reflection within me because that was polarizing kind of for, for me and with some of my own relationships within the space and kind of wondering like, you know, and having that kind of change the way I look at some people and then changing their, their reputation on file for me, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, was, um, uh, it was quite the thing. And I'm just waiting for part two, I guess. I, I feel like I've been a little bit of a bad uh, journalist here. And I sort of didn't define what it was ahead of time. because There's a decent chance people will listen, not know what we're talking about. But we sort of we've sort of said it. But BitCloud is this sort of crypto native um, social network but whose big innovation is that it creates a token to represent each profile. Um, the person whose profile is created can can buy the token and they'll get the best price for the token early on when they buy it, but then other people can buy it too. And the idea is if you have a bright future, you can buy your own token early and, uh, and then it'll dr- go up a lot in value and then you can trade on your own value in the world. Um, and some of us, you know, they said it was the biggest people on on Twitter. That isn't true. It's the biggest people on crypto Twitter right. um, got sort of accounts made for us ahead of time. So we had some free tokens that we could take if we joined. Um, you know, I was one of those. I haven't taken mine. Um, but so, so just so anyone who didn't know what it was, that's what it was. I think you're 100% right that like this BitCloud story isn't over. Um, yeah. And for, oh, man, for a second there, I really had a handle on, I think, what made me sort of a little bit icked out by it, but I lost it. Um, I mean, I, I don't think anything you said was wrong. Oh, well, but, but I will say just so you know, I mean, just some flat, I some flattery for you or whatever. But when I wrote the big, long bit clown story that I was, you know, made to write, um, I will say my editor who edited that, you know, really felt like your point that like this thing creates an incentive to look for ways to cancel people you know, he moved that way up from wherever I had it in the post. He was like, this nails yeah. the concern, you know? So he like, he elevated that really high. So, you know, you know, go you. I, I, I think that was, that awesome. was a correct move on his part too. <laughs> um, so I, I don't disagree with that edit. Um, so uh, yeah. So, and I, I think, yeah, I think there's still more to come. Oh, I do, I do know one thing I do want to say about crypto, about BitCloud. And then let's do hmm. one more ask if anyone wants to come up. And then if not, you know, we can maybe wrap it up. But uh, I'm happy to talk some more. But if you have things you want to talk about, that's cool. Um, but I think one thing I do want to say about BitCloud, which I do think is really important, and I hope the people who are listening, like, hear me on this, is one thing that did really bother me about the discourse about BitCloud, and this is a complaint I frequently have, is a lot of people who didn't like BitCloud called it a scam. And I don't think that's right. 
Uh, yeah. And I think people often use scam when they shouldn't use scam. Like scam is a time in which people do something disingenuous to take something from people. And I, I don't think that's right. I mean, I think there is a level on which BitClout knew it had powerful backers and that they could kind of generate value in an accelerated fashion that would make them all rich. So you could kind of say that's a scam, but it's not like really a scam, you know, like, I don't think they were, I don't think there was ever a rug pull that was on the table there. You know, when you look at the folks who were involved and it it just, you know, you can have concerns about it. You can be annoyed about it. You can hate it. You can not like its optics, but like, I just think we've really diluted this concept of a scam in crypto, which sucks because there's so many things that are actually scams. We can just like (laughs) critique things sort of appropriately and not make our critiques worthless. So that was a little bit of a frustration I had within the context of that thing. No, it's, it's true. Um, and I think, uh, when BitClout first emerged, like the whole space was really heavy on that. And basically, like day one, day two, the first few days of BitClout was basically just this space-wide conversation of like, BitClout, scam? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of gray, and there just there weren't really other takes, really. And there wasn't a lot of other language either. Um, so it was good, and I found, like personally, uh, through interacting with you uh, and... Um, just sort of observing uh, that the journalists are the ones who really did the best job to kind of push back some on that, on that language, uh, the rhetoric of it, and kind of ask like, okay, but I see that things look a little sketchy here. Like, is it really a scam? Um, and I think that was integral for the space to kind of really uh, kind of ask that question to themselves, right? Like, it, okay, well, this is a, sort of a sketchy thing. I see some things I don't like, but like, is it a scam, right? And I feel like we kind of... BitCloud was almost like a lesson for the space on, on this topic of like, but is it a scam though, right? Because everyone is kind of like, okay, I get it. I see that, or I, you know, whatever. But, um, and the answer to that question was, uh, we used to care a lot about that, right? I think now everyone's kind of like over it and we're waiting on, you know, the next chapter in the story with BitCloud. But for weeks, uh, even, you know, a month or two there, uh, that was a really hot topic in the space. And people really cared about the answer to that question of like, is this a scam though? And if not, like what, what would or, or would not make it a scam or, or maybe more importantly underneath that question, I think is, you know, we're kind of arguing like, is something moral or immoral happening here? Right? Like, are we being, you know, are we going to get rugged by all these VCs or, or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the answer to that question is still sort of out there, right? Like we, <laughs> like, I, I don't think anyone's going to get like rugged or anything like scammy is, is, you know, going to happen, but how does, how this all winds down is is definitely still something that's still unfolding, right? Now, personally, I'm sort of like bearish on the project and the idea of the network and the the whole thing itself, right? Like ethics and, and complaints like that, totally aside, right? Like it just as a, let's say like as an investor, right? Like looking at the project and seeing like where it's at now and how it's evolved, like, I don't know. I don't really see it taking off. Um, if, yeah. it, if it does, if that was going to happen, like they would have to still undergo some, sort of like really huge paradigm shift and watershed moment of like growth hacking that they haven't achieved so far. So, and we'll I don't, see. I don't um, think, um, I don't think you can take your bit cloud. I don't, I don't think you can claim your winnings yet. Like there's people who've done really well in terms of like trading within the system, but I, I don't think you can take it out yet. I, hmm. I could be wrong. I haven't double checked that. So folks, if I'm wrong, but, um, okay. So, uh, we do have one person who has joined the speaker's queue. So man in black, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is a great talk so far. Um, well, two-part question for Lumi here. Um, first, tying it back to the beginning 
of the conversation talking about games. I know this is slightly not what money is a game is about, but you know, what got me into crypto back in 2017, my, my first big investment was engine. I really bought into the owning your in-game assets and being able to profit off of them. And I think, you know, it obviously given where we are just technologically and every, you know, adoption wise, it's taken a little while to get off the ground, but they do have major integrations with, World of Warcraft and, and other games. I mean, I guess, Lumi, how far do you see, like, how far away do you think we are from actually being able to do that? You know, if you have a sword in, in, in World of Warcraft, being able to either easily sell it or use it to pay for something or stake it or to bring in meme in this scenario, I mean, they are NFTs <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, when are yeah. we going to be able to, to, to farm these things? Can you use them as collateral in a, a compound sense or um, that would be part one. And then just part two, more open-ended, what are you most uh, looking forward to or excited about that you think will be the next big DeFi um, uh, theme? You know, we, we, we saw lending, borrowing and, and kind of the, the standard financial uh, instruments take off first, but what are you most excited looking forward to uh, in DeFi coming up that, you see in this kind of game sense and being able to really play around with and maximize yield and, and uh, yeah, open-ended looking, looking for your thoughts here. Yeah. I appreciate the questions Um, on the NFT one at first for kind of NFTs and gaming and if, or when we'll see that and kind of at scale. um, I do think about that a lot. Um, It's something that I, I guess uh, as a lifetime gamer, like really, really want to come about. And even just a few days ago, I was, talking to some old buddies who I used to play Diablo 3 with like years ago now, I was saying, boys, like, get ready. One day there's going to be a Diablo 4. And if we're really lucky, like, maybe the items will even be NFTs, right? So personally, I really, like, really, really want that. And I really want it to happen in real time so that games like a Diablo or say like a World of Warcraft where you're playing in real time and items are dropping in real time. Like, I really want in my fantasy world, which maybe doesn't really make sense uh, technically and logistically here. In my fantasy world, um, we all play these games and they're all on layer twos for Ethereum. And because of that, you can have things maybe drop, if not instantly, closer to instantly. I think there's a lot of... um, I'm Personally, I'm kind of sitting back and waiting to see how some of these giants actually approach... uh, exactly this task um are they all going to homebrew their own uh kind of layer two sandbox which is their own little you know arbitrary thing that their whole game subsists within and because it subsists within that then this is how you unlock you know real time uh you know item drops etc and then maybe you resolve the friction of you know confirmations on the blockchain and, and things like that um, at some other stage, like when you're doing like account management, or maybe there's a you know you want to separately interact with the marketplace, and you've got to wait until your items have fully resolved before you can you know trade them and do things like that with them. So, with gaming and NFTs, um, I think what people most often overlook, like it's it's definitely like that's the direction to be excited for. Um, but logistically and technically, some of the things that really slow that down. Um, I, I mean. You can take some of the the particular things that I just said and then just kind of stack on top of that, um, like what we already know about what generalized NFT adoption faces in terms of challenges right now. So like being on top of a uh, layer one Ethereum right now, as they all are, and the fees that come with that, that's like 
that's a big problem. So it's like uh, you kind of have to look at it from the other direction of like, okay, so we're we're minting these NFTs. Well, are they? You know, is, is Blizzard going to mint a new NFT like every time an item drops, and then, well, then they're going to like pay to mint that and pay the gas fee, etc.? So let you me have to have a layer two. Yeah, let me jump in on this one because I have strong opinions about this, even though I'm not a gamer. But I'm I let's like mark this down. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Um, this is a this is a thing. I and then I have a second thought about it that is just sort of amusing. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that I believe is true. I, I will I firmly believe this is that like. Uh, this will happen and it'll be really cool when it does. Um, but um, I don't think any of the big shops are going to do it except for maybe Ubisoft, but they're not going to actually do it because it's just, it's just not in their business model. And the, what the yeah. problem with crypto on this topic is, is they get very excited about this idea of owning and trading and they are failing. Even though many of them are gamers, they're thinking crypto. They're not thinking gamers. Fundamentally, it's only going to click when it's done with a great game that people genuinely want to play, whether it has the NFTs or not. And so what I think will happen eventually, and I kind of don't understand why it hasn't already is we have, you know, tons of people who've made piles of money. Many of them are great gamers. Someone needs to spin up a new AAA studio, which obviously you can't do overnight, even with piles of money, but with piles of money, you can eventually Mm -hmm. get there. But an extremely large amount of talent needs to be put into a room. A lot of money needs to be spent and a great idea needs to be put in the table and a fantastic game needs to be built. And at the end of building that game, throw the NFT mechanics on it. That's the only way it's going to happen. It's got to be a new company. It's got to come from crypto, but it's got to be game oriented first. Like those are all things that I believe. The other thing that I'll just say really quickly here that I love about what's happened with NFTs this year, it just reflects what I love about technology, is a lot of smart people, most notably Ariana Simpson, who I think is great. And I'm not saying this is a critique of her at all. I think she'd probably agree that this is funny and interesting. But Ariana, who was an investor herself, she's now at A16Z, you know, she really beat this drum for a long time that she was a believer in NFTs because they were so obviously valuable to gaming. And that's what I love about technology in general is it always... It just never works out the way that makes sense. And that's part of why I love being a journalist covering technology (laughs) is that like, you know, who would have thought that when NFTs kicked in, finally, it would be like weird art that would do it, you know, and and that's like what it was like. Ariana's right. Games make more sense. But that wasn't what did it. It was weird art. And I love that. Anyway, sorry. Um, I don't know if you want to go more on that. I definitely want to get to the second question, too. But I wanted to hop in on that first one. No, I like that too. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, the what was the second question from Man in Black? Here? What so are you the, jazzed about in DeFi? Thing? Yeah, and which is kind of yeah. w- what I wanted to go with too. Is just sort of like what are you? I, I was going to ask that question as well, so I'm glad he did it. Like, wh- what are what are you feeling good about in the space right now? Yeah, so right now uh, we're like in my mind we're still totally like knee deep in the bull run here like we're correcting but no, nothing in the, the overarching story has really changed here at all for me we're just down for the moment right mm-hmm. so for me we're we're in this um we're in this huge like intense bull run and it's been like like what have i experienced in crypto or crypto twitter so far in 2021 it's it's basically like it's almost like just bull run sentiment and feels and stuff right like it's it's noticeably harder for me to get on my feed and uh, kind of feel the pulse of, say, for example, just like building, like quiet heads down building or um, like and then seeing that coming about through like big project updates and developments, et cetera. Like 
for me, I feel like it's not it's not Biddle season, if you will. Like it's definitely bull run season, and I mean, you know, this time around it's dog coins, I guess. So last summer it was like uh, food farms, and right now we're into dog coins, right? So it's <laughs> that's what's going on, and for me, that kind of uh, it's, it's actually a frustrating thing because I'll notice like, you know, days and days will start to drag on. And I'm kind of like, of course, I'm on crypto Twitter all the time. And I'm like, man, I'm just not getting the same uh, like educational yield out of my Twitter feed as, as I normally am. And it's because we're in this like euphoric and distracted state, um, which really makes it hard for me to kind of answer this question because every day I wake up and what I want to do is I want to throw myself at crypto and I just want to stay in touch with like, okay, but what's new and what's next and what's coming. And so that's, that's like constantly my goal. Um, and I'm faced with this question right now and I feel like, you know, my first inclination is to just speak to some of the struggle I've felt so far here as an independent researcher trying to uh, be constantly in touch with what's going on in the space, but having the space itself just, overwhelmed with uh the noise of bull and absolute like nonsense it's like it's like we're at like mardi gras right? and like you wake up and like you're still at mardi gras like the streets are still filled with like beads and chiba akita dog coins right and you're just like hey if you're me anyway you're just sort of like man i wish that all this would sort of go away <laughs> Have, like a better idea of like what we're actually making right now not that like some of that stuff can't be fun um but yeah, so for me, I feel like I kind of want to say that I'm not 100% sure of like what the next big thing is. Like sometimes I have like explicit, definite ideas of that. But right now I feel I don't have anything really concrete on deck for like what's, you know, sort of the next big thing. And I think you know, this this has all been my big excuse for that. Um, of course, I'll, I'll plug that, you know, Flexa did just release the Spend SDK. So we literally did finally just turn in a corner where now within DeFi, any wallet or any app has the ability to... Uh, integrate the SDK, which gives all of their users the ability to spend their assets. Now, something about spending is, and I think forever will be, uh, you know, the the opposite, <laughs> the antithesis of making money, right? And so it's hard to just imagine saying something like, I think like spending is the next thing. You know, like we've, we've done a bunch of lending. Lending is clearly hot. It's clearly going to be hot. I don't know that spending itself as a thing in a comparable sense is going to be hot because it's, it's probably, it's not going to stir those ideas in people's minds where they're like, yeah, spending this is the latest way within crypto in which I make money. And therefore it's the hot thing within crypto, right? Like spending is like super vital. It, it's, I don't like, know, man, a bunch of like, you can't spend it as a money. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of, if like a bunch of, uh, you know, like, degen teenagers start showing up at, at their school with like the sweetest possible kicks, you know, uh, because they were able to like spend the cash register. I, I think that could start to get people interested. Oh, well, this has been a, this has been a great conversation for folks who are listening. Uh, just want to say this will be rebat broadcast on Spacecast. If you want to listen to it again, that's cool. There's a lot of other cool stuff on Spacecast, uh, conversations about design, new tech, social media, things like that. So you should look for it in your podcast player and subscribe. And then also, if you miss future fantastic light bulb talks with me, you can hear them there. So that will make your life uh, better. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Thanks a ton for Lumi to talking to me. And uh, good night, supercomputers. 